What's up, guys? Welcome back. Whole nine yards here on a Thursday evening, 706 Eastern. Brandon, how's it going? Um, it's going good. You know, I don't know. Nothing. I haven't really been doing anything the last couple of days, so um, nothing really on my end. How about you? Stuff's going pretty well. Uh, I guess we'll just get right into what's happened recently. News as of probably what the past two hours, three hours happened. Um, Rick Carlisle resigned from the Mavericks. Uh, I'm not sure if it's, you know, if he's actually resigning or if it was a resign so we don't have to fire you. I think he actually resigned. I think he had two years left on his contract and I guess I don't know if it was the whole Luca versus the front office thing that shook him or what it was particularly, but it seems like he just didn't want to coach there anymore. Interesting. It, it really is interesting. He coached there for 13 years, led Dallas to a title. So it was kind of shocking to me just because I think he was kind of viewed as a top 10 coach probably for, from most people, if not higher, uh, just taking the Styles organization with relatively little talent other than Nowitzki and, and, and Doncic and making them a very respectable organization. Interesting. I think more details should come out eventually. Uh, Carlisle said it was solely his decision and a statement released to ESPN. So probably not actually, you know, uh, resign or we're going to fire you thing. I, I don't know the reasoning. I don't know the reasoning. But what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, definitely not firing of any sort. Definitely not. Um, I mean, he's one of the better coaches in the league. I think he's like a top 10 coach. So definitely not a firing. And you can't really blame him for this season anyways. I mean, you know, they underperformed at the beginning, but I don't really blame that on the coaching. I kind of blame that on the roster that was built, which he has no effect on. And then also Luca being out of shape. And then when they did get playing well, then Porzingis, you know, gets injured again. He's not playing well. So I think there was a lot of factors that kind of derailed this season. And again, you had a chance. You were up 3-2 in the first round. Um, and the rest of the team just didn't show up in those last two games. So again, I don't really blame that on coaching. So I don't think it was a firing of any sort. Um, I do think it was a resign um, from Rick Carlisle, who again, I, I, th- I really like him as a coach. I think he really is one of the top coaches in the NBA. Um, pretty underrated, honestly, because he's just been there for so long. I think 13 years he's been with the Mavs. He was with the Pistons before. Um, you know, right out, you know, during those like championship kind of runs, like right towards the end. Um, so he's been in the league a long time. He's been coaching for a long time. Whatever team does get him, assuming that he would go straight to another team as a head coach, not, you know, a front office role or maybe a year off or an assistant coach, assuming he does go to another team being a head coach, whatever team that is, um, I think that's an amazing hire. Um, I could definitely see the Celtics as possibly getting Rick Carlisle. Um, that, you know, they does have some connections there. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe where they go um, with a coach like that. Um, I, if I was you, I'd be happy if they did get him. But uh, with whatever team does get him, though, uh, that's a great hire. It's probably the best hire of the offseason, but he's definitely the best candidate out there. Um, so, yeah, again, whatever team gets him, I think it's the best hire of the offseason. Yeah, I'm going to be happy if they hire Carlisle. Not because I don't – I mean, I, I do like Carlisle. I think he's a top-10 coach, but he is just so much better than whoever else they're probably going to hire out, out of at least known candidates. Like, would I rather have him or, like, a Chauncey Billups or, you know, I mean, that's not even a discussion to me. It's not a debate. Would I rather have him or, like, a, a Terry Stotts or, you know, one of these one of these other retreads that just isn't just very – it's not very good, not very prudent. You know, I just – Carlisle's probably the best option. It's really not close. I don't know what I don't know where Carlisle wants to go. If I had to guess, I mean, why do you know or do you do you think you know why he left? I mean, I would say you know they did part ways with their GM um, the day before, so yesterday, Donnie Nelson. Um, So maybe that had an effect on it. I mean, Donnie Nelson's been there for a long time as well. I think they almost came up at the same time at the Mavs. Um, when they both got the GM and head coach, I think Donnie Nelson was there a couple of years before. So maybe that had an effect on it. Uh, maybe, you know, they were talking about other GMs coming in or other guys, other voices, and maybe just didn't like that. Because obviously, like you said, he had two years on his contract. So it's kind of weird for him just to leave. Um, but, 
you know, maybe there was just something. I wouldn't say it's a Luca problem. I really wouldn't. Um, I mean, maybe it is because he just doesn't – he actually wants to run a real offense because I think we can all see that the offense that they run is basically James Harden and what the Rockets did. It's not really, like, true basketball. And Rick Carlisle is a very good offensive coach, um, as you saw with, like, Dirk. Um, in like those late 2000s, early 2010s, like they were moving the ball. They were they were shooting threes at the time, and teams didn't really shoot threes like that. Uh, but they were moving the ball really well. Um, that was the kind of their offense. Now their offense is very ISO based. So maybe he just didn't like that. So maybe that's why he left. Um, I guess we'll know, you know, as reports come out in the next couple of days and weeks. But um, I wouldn't say it's like a him versus Luca thing. I think if anything, if it has to do anything with basketball wise. Um, I would say maybe just didn't like running that offense, which I think makes sense, honestly. I mean, it's not fun probably, you know, running that offense all the time. So uh, if you go to like a Celtics team where they kind of do like passing the ball, um, I know you have Tatum, but it is more of a passing team. Um, I think that'd be more fun to coach in, I would say, than having one guy control the ball for, you know, 40% of the time. There has to be something going on behind the scenes. I just, I don't think Carlisle left solely because, he doesn't like the offensive scheme with Luca there because he is the head coach after all. Yeah, I mean, you kind of almost have to kind of run what you do, but you also don't at the same time. I mean, we saw what happened in James Harden once he left the Rockets. He didn't have to run that style of offense, and yeah, that might have been the best thing for the Rockets at the time when you have not much offensive talent, at least, you know, ball handling and shooting around you, but I don't think that's what they had to, ha- had to run, at least, you know, for the future. I don't think they had to run a, a, a James Harden style offense, if you want to call it that. Um, I think it had to be something to do with the the changes being made, whether it be a GM or the rest of the front office or Luca's stance on, you know, who he, you know, because I think Luca probably, like a lot of NBA stars at this point, likes to have power in the organization and wants to have a say. I think Luke, I think uh, Carlisle had a problem with whether it be Luca having a say in something over him or, the owner having say more than him or the moves being made, at least whether it's the GM being, you know, the GM not being there or something like that. I don't think it has to do with, with, you know, strictly basketball things. I think there is something behind the scenes that we don't know yet that maybe we'll never know, or maybe we'll know soon. I just have a tough time believing that Carlisle is leaving the Mavericks after 13 years because he doesn't like Luca. Because Luca, I mean, not that he doesn't like Luca, but like he doesn't like the scheme because he is a head coach. He's an offensive guy. And I think he had the respect and the authority in the Dallas organization to do whatever he wanted and not be, you know, not have the repercussions, at least, you know, on the court, but off the court. Maybe he didn't have that. I, I don't know. It's interesting, though. Uh, as far as where he could go, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Boston's a good place for him. He could probably go wherever he wants to at this point that has an open opening position, I would assume. If he wanted to go to Portland, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to go to Portland. If he wanted to go to New Orleans, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to go there. I think most organizations would probably hire him over pretty much anybody else. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because Carlisle is 61 and maybe a team wants a younger coach to go with, you know, to pair with a Tatum or to pair with a Williamson, but yeah, it, 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 I think whatever team gets him is, is lucky because the other teams are going to be hiring Chauncey Billups. And not that Billups is a bad coach, but just people not as proven. You're taking gambles, and more than likely you're going to get a Jason Kidd who, you know, not not a, a bad, horrible head coach, but certainly not a great one either. Yeah, and speaking of the Pelicans, I think we should honestly start um, talking about yesterday, um, as in Wednesday, June 16th. And we can go in order, honestly, because Wednesday was kind of like – it was almost like Black Monday in um, the NFL when obviously after that week 17 games, now it'll be week 18, I guess. Um, you know, you have your coaches who are fired at the end of the season, uh, usually the day after that last game. So that's kind of what yesterday was, even though, you know, it's the middle of the playoffs. But again, a lot of these, you know, I think, you know, basically every single one of these teams missed the playoffs, um, except for obviously the Mavericks. But that was, you know, a different situation. And then we'll talk about the last one that happened yesterday um, when we get to it. But um, it started with the Pelicans, um, at least yesterday, uh, with Stan Van Gundy who's out after one year. I mean, pretty obvious, honestly. We never, I guess, talked about it. But um, when he was hired, just a terrible hiring. Um, I think anyone saw that. It was a team that was young, 
um, had, you know, has talent clearly in Zion and Brandon Ingram, Alonzo uh, Ball even. So they had talent. Uh, they, you know, had potential last year. No one thought they'd ever make the playoffs last year. They were competing all the way to the end. Uh, the expectations were a lot higher this year with a healthy Zion, um, you know, a more improved Ingram, a much better Lonzo. If you would have got Lonzo, if you wouldn't, if you would expect it, uh, what you got from Lonzo this year, you probably think you're making the playoffs, honestly, um, especially with the way Zion played, the way Brandon Ingram played. So uh, just a very disappointing season. They went 31 and 41. The defense, I don't know if it was dead last. I think the Wizards were dead last, but um, it was at least um, 29th or 28th. Um, and they blew so many leads at so many points during the season. Um, they just had too much talent for you – know, they had so much talent on that team for the team to, go, to win 31 games. I know it's in the West, but they were one of the worst teams um, in the West all season. And that's saying something when you're at the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Rockets. Uh, so just not a good hiring. Clearly a mistake. That's why he's gone after one year. That's what happens. Um, so it looks like they're going to look at the same people they looked at last year who weren't hired, uh, which is a couple of assistants like Jock Vaughn, who took you know his interim for the Nets – uh, when Kenny Atkinson got uh, fired last season, uh, Jason Kidd is in there possibly. So we'll see what way they go. Um, but whoever that head coach is, they honestly do have to get it right because, you know, there were some reports earlier today that Zion, his family wasn't happy with the situation in New Orleans. Now who knows, you know, if he's even thinking that maybe it's just a family exclusively his family saying that. So who even really knows about that report, but it's at least something that came out today. So this head coach really has to be right. Um, and fit with this team and fit for Zion. Zion is going to be one of the best players in the league, um, if not in the next like two years. Uh, so this is going to be a very, very big hire for an organization that really hasn't had, you know, I think their best head coach is probably Monty Williams, you know, in that late 2000s with Chris Paul. But again, that's late 2000s. That's over a decade ago. So you really got to hit uh, the nail on the head here with a, a really good coach. And, you know, again, you're probably not getting Rick Carlisle. So we'll see what, you know, Jason Kidd, is he the right option there? I don't really know what your thoughts on that. I don't know. I mean, I, you, I don't know who they're going to be able to hire. If it's not Carlisle, then, you know, I guess you have to consider a kid. Um, I mean, I'd prefer like a Kenny Atkinson over a Jason Kidd. If, if, if that's what was given to me, I think Atkinson's a good guy there. I just think that what he did with the Nets when they had little talent, I'm not saying the Pelicans are similar to that, but Zion's not, he's not like a Doncic. He's not a ball dominant guy at all. They don't really have a necessarily like a super, super ball dominant guy, kind of almost similar to, I guess the Nets in a way, although they did have D'Angelo Russell. I just, I think De I think Atkinson would fit well with this team. I don't think he would fit well with like the, the current Nets, which is, you know, obviously Kyrie Harden and Durant. Other than that, I don't know. I mean, as a Billups in play, I'm not. I I don't know. I have no idea. Um, college guys, I, I again, I'm not gonna. I have no clue. So, who knows? I think we more just. I I more just kind of have to react to when the hiring's made. If I like it or not, I just I just don't know. You know, I just don't know who they're gonna hire. Obviously, um, I I would agree that's that that Van Gundy's probably a bad head coach definitely bad head coach he probably had maybe a couple good years in Orlando uh but that those teams were talented I mean obviously had prime Howard Jameer Nelson Turkaloo um yeah I I I think Van Gundy struggled with playing the right people I think Kyra Lewis probably should have played more I would like to see the young guys play more Jackson Hayes didn't play that well or play that much, although he didn't play very well, but I still would have liked, you know, if you're not going to make the playoffs, I'd like to see him play a little bit more. JJ Redick probably doesn't need to be on this team anymore. Um, well, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but he played, he played 18 and a half minutes per game um, when he was. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, who is Brandon Ingram a number two is ball going to be on the team. Is blood. So a good fit. Steven Adams is regressing. He has a large contract. You're probably not going to be able to get rid of him. He's probably stuck there. We'll see what happens. Um, the Cleveland guy is still the GM, I want to say. for um, David Griffin. David Griffin. We'll see what he does. We'll see what happens. If Zion's unhappy, that's obviously horrible because that's, you know, that's your only hope really at being a, a good small market team. If you want to call New Orleans a small market team, that's kind of your only hope. 
because uh, you're not going to get free agents, obviously. So we'll see what happens. But I, I mean, clearly firing him was a good move, uh, just like um, York Grin or however. I don't even know how you pronounce it, but. Nate Bajorkin. Bajorkin. I don't know. Who cares? He's not a head coach anymore, so we don't have to say it. Um, but uh, moving on from the Pelicans, though, the next head coach that was fired, again, speaking of yesterday, um, I guess technically not fired because they never came to a contract um, resolution, but it was Scott Brooks, the Wizards. And I said this, I think it was maybe the last episode, maybe even the one before that, that there was strong reports that he was going to come back as their head coach, which would have been very surprising for a lot of people. And it did seem like he was coming back because they just failed to come to a new contract agreement. So it's not like they dismissed him and not even looking for a contract. They did try to get a contract with him. I'm assuming they went for a shorter term deal uh, for, you know, I think Westbrook has two years and then Beal has one year left, but they obviously could extend him if they want to. So they're probably going for like a two year contract. Um, and he probably wanted like a four or five year contract. So that's probably where the disagreement was. I've never seen, I haven't seen a report on that, but that's what I can guess. Um, but he's out as head coach there. Obviously, you know, he wasn't the most successful. He's really not that good of a head coach, honestly. So it was kind of surprising he was there for five years to begin with, uh, considering their defense has been dead last, last three straight years. Um, so they obviously needed a new coach in there. When you have a guy like Westbrook and Beal, again, assuming Beal stays, which it does seem like he's going to, uh, I think you need um, a veteran voice. Um, again, the options aren't great for head, like veteran head coaches, but I think you need a veteran voice and a guy who's really good with players like a Westbrook and a Beal, who obviously have a lot of you know, authority and power over, over an organization. Um, so I, I think the names that were being thrown out there was Wes Unsell Jr., um, who is, he's been an assistant for a while. Sam Cassell has been an assistant for multiple teams, obviously you know, most known for Doc Rivers being an assistant for him, obviously being a, you know, a pretty good NBA player. I think that'd be a pretty good fit. Um, I think Kenny Atkinson was maybe even thrown out there. I don't think he'd work with that team, but maybe interesting, but um, definitely they, you know, they're not a team that's going to win a championship. They're not a team that's, you know, probably going to make it past the second round, but I think it's Sam Cassell, West Unsell, probably, you know, West Unsell is probably a pretty unknown name, but I think those are good hires if they were to go for them. And I think they probably will go for one of those two. Um, but I guess what were your thoughts on Scott Brooks and uh, the Wizards? I think it's good. He's. I think it's good. He's gone. I mean, he's probably. But he's been an underwhelming head coach pretty much his entire career. I mean, you could argue that that 2012 Thunder team, not necessarily underachieved, but I mean that was his best best head coaching performance, and it still wasn't great. I th- I still think there are moments that you look at that team and you say, you know, if you had a a Popovich or you know somebody like that, they're probably winning that 2012 Finals or at least doing better than they did. I think it went six or five, five or six. It went five. Um, um yeah we'll see who they hire i don't i don't i don't know but uh if i was the wizards i i seriously consider trading beal i know they probably want to keep beal it's just a matter of does beal want to stay with them but i'm not a person who likes to you know be that six seed and and maybe win around and maybe you go to the second round and lose to the one seed or maybe you don't so I just I don't like being that type of team. I know that some teams are perfectly content with that because you're going to sell tickets and you're going to be entertaining. Although you may never, you know, actually be a serious competitor, that might be good enough. To me, I, I don't really like that because you know I don't I'm not an owner of a franchise. I'm not looking to make money. I'm looking to win. Um, so I, I I think you kind of have to blow it up for the Wizards. I don't know if you can. I mean, like, do people want to trade for Westbrook? I, I don't know. Probably not. Um, you just big contract but i mean people definitely want beal you could probably get a lot for beal that's a good way to just reboot things and you still have westbrook so you'd still be semi-competitive especially in the east we'll see how things turn out i mean i I don't know we'll see yeah um so we'll see what uh they do with their head coaching situation but um that was it for head coaching yesterday but again there was a lot of other nba news so there's going to be at least for right now assuming no one else gets fired which I think the only other possibility would be um, Mike Goldenhoser if the Bucks lose, and we'll talk about that. They have a game tonight against the Nets, game six. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but that's probably the only other head coach that could possibly get fired, uh, the teams that are remaining. So right now there's there's seven openings uh, going into the offseason. Again, possibly eight, but we'll have to see what happens with the Bucks. Uh, but the big news, um, bigger news, I should say, that came yesterday, 
And I'll start with the first one um, was that Chris Paul is going into the um, health and safety protocols. So we don't know exactly when he'll come back. I think they did say he tested positive for COVID-19. So I'm assuming that's, I think it was uh, 10 days or 14 days. Um, You know, I don't, and I think it depends. They kind of relax the rules a little bit, but I think it's 14 days. Um, so we'll see what happens with them for uh, the next series. Uh, the Clippers, I guess, you know, we'll talk about that later, but they did win game five. Um, so they are up 3-2 in that series. So if the Clippers do win game six, then that series would happen a lot sooner than you'd probably hope if you were a Suns fan, which means Chris Paul could possibly miss multiple games in that series, maybe even the whole series, depending on, you know, with safe, uh, safety protocols and everything. But um, just huge news for a team that just swept the Nuggets, uh, completely destroyed my pick of Nuggets in six or seven, whatever I said. Um, and we're rolling. Clearly, you know, they've been playing like the best team in the NBA so far in the playoffs. Um, and that would be a huge loss. Uh, you know, you could say what you want about Paul. I think we both kind of agree on him and that he's good. You know, he's really good, really good. But I think he's a little overhyped. Um, but still, that'd be a huge loss. You'd have to have Cameron Payne as your starting point guard. He was a ball handler, a somewhat pretty good defender at this age in his career, a guy with leadership and a voice in that locker room. So it would just be a huge loss. Um, but, again, we'll have to see what happens going to that next series and he's able to play. Huge blow for the Suns. I mean, we know the story arc. We know where they've come from. Huge blow. They're not going to beat either team if they don't have Paul for the whole series, for sure. If they miss him for more than a game, I don't like their odds. I really don't, especially if it's the Clippers. You know, if you don't have Chris Paul for first off, the Clippers are a better team, in my opinion. And if you don't have Chris Paul for the first game and it's your home game, that is rough. I mean, to not have Chris Paul for the first game at home, you go down 0-1 most likely. And now you kind of have to you have to win a game in L.A. And that's rough. And who knows what Chris Paul looks like after covid. We've seen numerous athletes in basketball, football. Maybe not baseball, but we've seen athletes that just don't look the same after covid. Um, I mean, as a Pats fan, Cam Newton was one of those guys. Jason Tatum was one of those guys. Dennis Schroeder was one of those guys. There's. It's, it, you probably see more athletes look rough after COVID than look 100%, just whether it's a, you know, you're sick and you're just not conditioned after being, you know, thrown out for, for two weeks or whatever, or not being in the groove or, or what it is. But I, I genuinely think it's probably over for the Suns. I think it would have been a tough, tough competitive series, regardless of what team gets to the conference finals with the Suns. But I who knows if Chris Paul makes it to game one. If he does, cool. I think it'll be still pretty competitive, but I'd, I'd lean the other team. If not, I, I, I would pick the other team too. It's a huge blow because even if Chris Paul comes back, I have, I, I'm not going to you know expect him to be 100% game one, game two, just because that's not what we've seen with athletes. They just, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's it's a rough blow for sure. Yeah, I mean, even if he does come back in time for game one or even if he just misses game one, um, it's going to be tough for them to win four games against whether it's the Clippers or even the Jazz. Um, You know, with him, it definitely has an effect on you. I mean, we saw it last year kind of going through the bubble of some of the guys when they they got it, you know, in that that three- or four-month layoff. But um, it's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, if it happens sooner you know if this game or this series ends in six if you even go seven to give him a couple more days possibly but um it's going to affect him i mean he's 36 years old obviously um it's going to have some effect on him uh you know whether it's shooting wise or even just you know you're just conditioning wise endurance wise uh so we'll see how many you know minutes he plays when he comes back how you know the impact that he usually has compared to what he will have so it's going to be a whole situation um, if they lose, I know that's where the excuse will be. Not saying that it's like a bad excuse or anything, but that's where it will go. If they do lose, it's going to go to Chris Paul had this, and then he got put in the safety protocols, and that messed up everything that they had going. So um, you already know that's going to happen. But I guess we'll just have to wait for that to happen in the next, you know, two weeks or whatever when it ha- does happen. But the breaking news right after that, that was it was almost simultaneously that it happened was Kawhi Leonard is out for Game Five, which happened last night, but. 
he might have an ACL injury. You don't know if it's torn or not. That still hasn't even come out. I haven't even seen anything on it since yesterday, but they said it could be an ACL injury, which means he just could be out for the rest of the playoffs, even if they do win. And again, we'll talk about the Clippers game right after this, but um, just a huge blow if he is out for the rest of the playoffs, because even if they do win the series, I they I think they'd have some – I know we just talked about the Suns and Chris Paul, but I think that they'd have some trouble because, you know, a full – going into the series knowing Kawhi is not going to play any of the games is a huge advantage for the Suns, even with Chris Paul having this COVID situation. Uh, it's just, you know, a top five player in the league who you just know is not going to be available for the series. So you can lock in on Paul George, who's been amazing the last couple of games. Uh, you can lock in on some other guys on that team. Uh, you don't have to worry about Kawhi. So – it's a huge blow if he's really going to be out for the rest of the playoffs. Again, still haven't really seen any official reporting on that since yesterday. So we'll see if that does if, if that is true. Uh, but he did this game five. I think he'll be out for game six. I mean, most definitely. And then if there's a game seven, he's most likely out for that too. So just a huge blow again. Clippers team that looked like it's starting to get rolling. They got it from 2-0 to 2-2 again. Kawhi was the best player in games three and four. He most likely would have been the best player in game five if he would have played. Um, just a time and a situation where you thought the Clippers win this series with a healthy Kawhi, they have a real shot at winning the championship, especially with the injuries to the Nets. Um, but now if he's going to be out, I mean, they have no shot at winning the NBA finals. Yeah, I was actually, yeah. Um, it's a huge blow if, if he's out for the whole playoffs and Chris Paul's out too. I mean, that clearly makes that series more competitive, Although I don't know. I mean, at that point, it's just who's healthier, whoever's healthier wins. And that's not too exciting. But I will say, I think Kawhi being up for game five kind of proved my Paul George being the second best player in that series when he plays how he should play to be um, factual. Uh, I think he had a huge game, clearly. I mean, we can talk about it. But yeah, if Kawhi, if Kawhi's out, I mean, that, that, that probably their title odds probably go with him. I, I would assume who knows, because another thing I'm going to say is every team somehow is managing, managing to get hurt over 50% of the teams. I mean, the only team that's healthy right now is the bucks and the Hawks probably th- that I can think of. I mean, well, I Mitchell's mean, hurt. The Hawks have Hunter hurt, but yeah, they're, they're more, they're more healthy than other teams. I would say. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no, you're right. I just, but even yeah. still, I mean, every single team at least has one or two guys who are key to their team, even if it's not the star players like the Nets or the Clippers, I guess, now um, that are injured, you know. So it's definitely a lot of teams. Mitchell, too. I mean, Mitchell clearly was not right game five, uh, especially in that one. He shot a three pointer and just basically limps down the court. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, if he's healthy, do they win game five? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see at this point in the Western conference, you could argue it's just whoever's healthier is going to win. And that's probably what happens. Um, I, I don't know who is healthiest, probably the Clippers, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if Chris Paul can make it back in time to not miss too many games, then probably the Suns. who knows how long Mitchell's not going to be hundred percent. He's had that injury for, in the regular season two, he had that injury. He missed game one. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we are going to see. Um, and now we can actually get into that game five that happened last night with the Clippers and the Jazz. Um, like we said, no Kawhi in that game. Um, it was Paul George. He was amazing. Um, I think he had 37 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. Um, he shot the ball pretty well. Um, he was the reason that they won that game. They won 119-111. Uh, the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz started off really hot. I mean, to get Bogdan, bon, Bogdan Bogdanovich had 32 points. Um, so if you were to tell me that Bogdanovich, I know he does score points, but he's been, you know, he's been struggling, I'd say, in the playoffs so far. Uh, if you were to tell me he's, he's going to get 32 points and you're going to lose that game with no Kawhi, um, I think you'd be pretty surprised if you were a Jazz fan. Uh, considering the way Mitchell's been playing, I know he clearly has some type of injury. Uh, just the last couple of games, he's not been the same player he was in game one and two. Um, but even still, they they made 23s and lost the game. I mean, that's pretty hard to do. Uh, and they shot 37%. I mean, that's a pretty decent percentage when you're making 23s. So um, just a very weird game, I'd say, in the sense that the stats kind of would indicate that the Jazz would have won this game. But 
Uh, the Clippers were the ones who did win. Marcus Morris was great again. Um, if they're going to get performances like that from him, um, you know, throughout the playoffs, I guess if they do win this series, they definitely have a shot at least getting to the finals. You know, maybe in the finals he can get hot in a couple of games. You know, it's obviously a long way away. But, um, yeah, if Paul George is going to play like this and not play like he's been playing in the last couple of playoff series, last play, uh, couple of playoff seasons for him. Um, yeah, this is the Paul George that we kind of expect. This is the one that – this is the guy who was supposed to be there uh, before that broken leg. And uh, clearly that derailed his career – uh, in some way, I know he's bounced back. He's still a really good player, all-star type player, but he wasn't the guy he was before that and the guy he was, he was supposed to be before that broken leg. And the last couple of games, he's shown that he could still be that guy. Um, now we'll have to see what happens um, in this game six because, you know, th- now the attention's really going to be on him in a closeout game um, in her home court. But so, speaking about game five, it was just a great victory uh, for the Clippers. And, yeah, they're one game away from getting to the Western Conference Finals. This team is still so confusing to me. I just there's no almost no pattern really. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here to see how they play. At the, I I don't even know who I'm rooting for to be honest. I typically have a team that I kind of prefer. You know that when my when my actual team's not in it, um, I don't even know who I want to win. Come out of the Western Conference, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and one thing that is, I guess, surprising for this Jazz team is that their bench just has given them nothing. I mean, besides from Clarkson, who really hasn't been great all series, but he's at least going to give you some points and you know he's going to play. I mean, the rest of their bench, nine minutes, six minutes, four minutes, and they were combined just one for two, uh, with two of them not even taking any shots in the game. So you can't – and I know, like, they still only lost by eight somehow. Like I was saying, the stats kind of would indicate that they would have won this game. But to get absolutely zero production from your bench, and again, only Clarkson only had 15. He was 4-9 from three, but 5-12 from the field. Um, you just have to get better contributions from your bench. And this was a team that kind of relied a little bit on their bench in the regular season. And, you know, it just shows how big of an injury that Mike Conley injury was because that would have, um, you know, lengthen your rotation. He's in your starting lineup. You can put Ingles off the bench. So you have Ingles and Clarkson off the bench. Now you have Ingles in the starting lineup. So you have to be playing that, not coming off the bench. Another guy's going to have to step up, and clearly they're not stepping up. So that Mike Conley injury is really looming large over them, and that's something that people probably didn't think was going to be this big of a deal, but it clearly is. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. You're right. Um, I kind of downplayed the injury probably slightly more than than definitely slightly more than you did. Um, I think it's proven to be pretty significant, clearly not as big as whatever Donald Mitchell's dealing with, just because Mitchell's the best player on that team and they need him to win games. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, in, in the playoffs in general, benches play less than they do in the regular season for obvious reasons, um, it's playoffs, but yeah, I, I, there, Utah relies on, you know, team basketball, obviously with Mitchell being hurt, you know, that that's unfortunate, but they do rely more so than the Clippers and the Suns and the Nets on having team basketball that doesn't revolve around your, your best player. And when Clarkson isn't able to deliver that well, when angles, you know, if he doesn't hit shots, if, you know, Royce O'Neal doesn't play well, it just it it can kind of start to crumble all around you, and we'll see how they how game six goes. Um, I'm I'm excited for it, but but yeah. What do you got for game six? I'm pretty much. I think my takes are just going to be whoever looks healthier. If Kawhi Leonard plays, which I don't think he will, then I lean Jazz. But at the same time. Mitchell's probably going to play, but if he looks injured, then I lean Clippers again. So if you're telling me to pick based off what I know, I go Clippers. I, I don't think Mitchell's right. I think he looks horrible in game six, I, not because he's a bad player, obviously, but because I think he's going to look really injured. I think the Clippers minus Kawhi Leonard are healthy. I think Paul George is healthy. I think he'll be the best player in game six. I think they'll win. I think George will go for 30, 10, and 5 probably just a lesser game than what he had for game five, but still great. I think Morris will continue to shoot. Well, I think he's a solid three point shooter. He always has, well, he has been ever since he left the Celtics pretty much. Um, I think he'll play well. I think they'll advance the Western conference finals, which puts pressure on the Suns. 
means Chris Paul has to come back sooner rather than later. I don't think he can control it, but it sets up for an exciting Western conference finals. I, I hope Kawhi and Chris Paul can come back fully healthy for game one. I just, I don't want to watch a, t- a game that's, you know, if Chris Paul plays and he's healthy, then the Suns win. But if, if Kawhi Leonard plays and he's healthy, then the Clippers win. I just, to me, that's just, you know, nobody wants to see a battle of whoever's healthier. Yeah. And I did um, look it up and it said it's 10 days from your first positive test. Um, so I, I'm assuming that is, you know, counted as yesterday. That's when the test came in, I'm going to assume. So that would put him at, so June 16th, you know, 10 days from then um, would be, uh, what's that, June 27th. So they better hope that game, uh, that series goes to game seven, because that does give them, that give them at least to like, I think the 22nd or 23rd until game one would start. So at least that gives you a little bit more time. But I think anyways, he's going to miss, I think the first couple games of the, se- uh, of the series. I don't think there's any way he doesn't, um, especially because he tested positive. There's a 10-day wait. I think there's even another day or two that you have to wait again. Um, so he's going to be out of shape. You know, a week and a half away from basketball does get you out of shape, you know, even for the best athletes in the world. Um, and, again, he's probably going to miss the first at least two games, I would, I would imagine. So that series should go really bad for the Suns in the worst way possible. I mean, a way that, you know, two, you know, two years ago, no one could have ever expected that, you know, a, a, you know, a, you know, a disease could keep someone out of a Western Conference Finals game or anything like that. So um, just crazy, just crazy things that, you know, we'll have to see if it does happen or not. But um, the other game last night, the first game was the crazy. I, I think it was probably the craziest game of the playoffs. Um, maybe the Bucks nets game, game five was a crazy game, too. But this would maybe been even crazier. I mean, I was watching this game, um, I think probably from like the middle of the second quarter on and. I didn't watch, I didn't, I just couldn't watch the beginning of it. Um, it just wasn't in front of the TV, but then I started watching. I was like, I remember after halftime, probably halfway through the third quarter, I was, I was honestly just going to stop watching because I thought the game was just over. I mean, they're up 20 plus the entire game. Uh, there was never a chance of the Hawks coming back from when you were watching it live. Um, they couldn't make any shots. They couldn't get any stops. They kept turning the ball over. Um, they kept fouling just anything. They couldn't do anything right for the first, you know, three quarters. And then all of a sudden they just flipped the switch. They scored 40 points in the first half. They scored 40 points in the fourth quarter, which is crazy to think about. Um, you know, Embiid was great for the first three quarters, but after that he was pretty bad, honestly, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Trey Young was bad for the first three quarters. He was really good for the fourth quarter. So it was a complete game of opposites uh, looking at it for the first three quarters and that last quarter. Um, a crazy stat that I read was that Seth Curry and Joel Embiid were the only players on the Sixers to make a field goal for the entire second half. I mean, that's pretty crazy to think about. I know they only, they only scored um, 44 points, but out of 44 points, they were the only people to make a field goal in the whole second half. I mean, that is just ridiculous to think about um, out of, you know, the eight or nine guys that they were playing, only two guys made a field goal, Uh, just a crazy game. The Hawks came back and won. Uh, getting stops. The Sixers didn't make a field goal for the last six minutes of the game. Um, they missed so many free throws down the stretch, especially in Bede, who had made 20 straight. I think they said he missed two straight when they were down three, still with a chance to come back and win. Just an absolutely insane game. Um, and the Hawks are, again, one win away from the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think anyone would have expected that. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on game five? Well, as far as the Sixers are concerned, Seth Curry had a great game. He had like 36 points, so First off, if he doesn't have that, then this game probably looks – then the Hawks may just blow him out. Um, my phone's going off. Um, I think you have to look at Joel Embiid. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He had a good stat line. He had like 37 points, rebounds, and assists. I don't even know what he had, but they're, they're, it was a good stat line just looking at the stats. But when you take a look at his performance down the stretch, it's horrible, and – when your team's falling apart and you're choking a lead, you look to your best player and you say, you know, all right, best player, you know, rally the troops. Let's not give up a 25 point lead or whatever it was. Uh, and he didn't do that. He contributed to giving up that lead reminiscent of, you know, the Falcons, like 2015 Super Bowl, reminiscent to just a lot of these big choked leads where they don't have, you know, a Michael Jordan or a Mamba mentality type of guy or a Brady 
or you know, just one of these guys that's just gonna stop the game and take control of the game and and tell the other team no when they're trying to take this big of a comeback. And I, Joel Embiid didn't do that, and uh, maybe that separates him and you know not necessarily him and and Kobe as players but him and Kobe as far as mentality maybe maybe Embiid just doesn't have that mentality doesn't have that leader mentality I don't know it's a it's a horrible loss the second person I look at is Rivers I I we I mean I I've talked about it I feel like on this podcast plenty um he finds a way to choke leads and he finds to a way to be a good, really, really good Rick Carlisle level, good regular season head coach, but almost similar to Carlisle. He doesn't win in the playoffs other than one championship. He just doesn't. I mean, and Rivers is the only coach to, I think the only coach to choke multiple three, one leads. He's done it three times. Um, I, I can't believe it. I mean, everywhere he goes, I feel like the teams, you know, they're one through three seeds. They look awesome. They've got a solid, you know, top three players and a, and a, and a solid rest of your rotation. And then you play a team that is clearly an inferior team. I mean, the Hawks are clearly an inferior team. You could argue that Trey young, I mean, he's probably the second best player in the series, but if you wanted to argue, he's maybe even the third, if you, if you want to say, well, you probably wouldn't say right now that Simmons is better, but before you probably could have, and, and other than that, the, the Sixers have a, a much better roster after those guys too. So it's just you're good. If you lose, if you lose a series, I mean, you probably to me, I probably take a really long time to think about blowing it up. Not necessarily firing Rivers, but I don't know that I'm beating Simmons can win a championship. Well, there's two things I'm going to say, and the first is that last point of. Um you know, possibly blowing it up and firing Rivers. I mean, Daryl Morey is their GM, but he wasn't the guy who hired Doc Rivers. So that wasn't his guy. So he could easily fire him. Uh, they could keep the team and he could fire him. Uh, they could blow up the team and they could fire him. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they did lose this series. Let's say they lost, you know, game six um, and Doc Rivers was fired because again, Daryl Morey didn't hire him. He was, he became the GM after he was hired. So I really wouldn't be surprised by that. Again, they could keep him. Again, I wouldn't be surprised by that either, but also um, just looking at the other side of him being fired and that's on his guy. But the second thing and the guy I want to look at is Ben Simmons. I mean, he wants to be treated like he's an all-star type player. Um, and, I'm, you know, he, I think he's averaging like 10 points per game in the series. And he obviously cannot make a free throw. I think he was 4-14 last night. Um, yeah, 4-14 from the foul line. Uh, and that was coming with making two in a row when he got fouled somewhat late in the game, I think with like five or six minutes left in the uh, fourth quarter. So he basically was two of 12 uh, the rest of the game, um, which is just absolutely terrible. I don't know how you go two of 12 from the free throw line. I know he can't shoot the ball, but it's free throws. That should be something that you should be able to make at least at a 70% rate. Um, I would say, you know, for a guy who's six, eight, I mean, you think he'd be able to make that or six, 10, you think he'd be able to make that for a guy who's been on the perimeter his entire career um, going back to when he was like a kid. Um, so that's just crazy. But again, he has to be more aggressive. He's taking four shots in this game. And I know they were up by 20 plus basically the entire game, but for him to take four shots and he wants to be treated like he's a, you know, all-star player, potential superstar type player, which he's obviously just not, you have to take more than four shots in a game in a playoff game. Um, you know, you're letting guys like Tobias Harris go two for 11, you know, better than you. He had you know, Tobias Harris shot three, three. So he basically outshot you just in three pointers. I mean, you just cannot let these guys take more shots than you. Uh, you have to be more aggressive. They don't really have anyone to guard Simmons if he wants to be aggressive because there's no DeAndre Hunter, like we were saying. That was probably their guy to guard him if Simmons was aggressive. Um, you know, good Gallinari can't really guard you. You can't really put, like, you know, Onyeka Okungu who comes off their bench. You can't really put him on him, even though he's similar in size and speed. You can, I mean, not speed-wise, but obviously, but, you know, more athletic, I'd say. So they don't really have anyone to guard him if he wanted to be aggressive. So I just – I really look at Ben Simmons and say, if they lose this series, I can give Embiid somewhat of a pass because he has been pretty dominant in the series. Um, game four was bad when he went 0-12. But this game, he was dominating. Um, I think that you can look at Simmons and Doc Rivers for this loss, honestly. Um, but Simmons for this entire series and honestly for his future with this team, um, I think there's serious question marks. And again, 
they didn't want to give him up for Harden. And I know Harden's been injured, but let's say Harden stays healthy. This is definitely is not happening, and they're probably past the Hawks by now, honestly. I don't disagree. I'm a Simmons guy. I like Simmons, but it, it's it's horrible. I mean, he needs to shoot the ball. He could be worse. I just – Like, wouldn't you rather have him <sighs> be like 4-15 from the field, but at least he's trying to shoot the ball, he's being aggressive, than be 2-4 from the field and 4-14 from the free throw line? Is he just scared of going to the free throw line? Maybe that's why he's not wanting to be aggressive? I mean, he realizes that he can't shoot the ball and he realizes he can't make free throws – Teams are gonna. Teams are more than happy to foul him. They're not. I, I mean, they're not gonna just go out of their way to foul him. I guess, but you know, they're gonna. I mean, in a way, they are going out of the way to foul him. And they, and it's horrible. I just he's. I mean, I've I've heard you know all these you know Ben Simmons takes that are just to me just stupid. Saying you'd rather have, you know, garbage point guards over him at this point. People said that, but they're they're looking right in a certain way this playoff series. The fact that Ben Simmons is, I mean, he's a guard that can't shoot. I just, you can't have that in the NBA anymore. You just can't. And you really never could have that in the NBA, but especially in 2021, a guard that won't shoot the ball, can't shoot the ball, shoots 50% from the free throw line at pretty much at best almost. You just can't have it. You can't have it. And I don't know what his trade value is. It's still probably pretty significant, but definitely not as good. You're not going to get hard in form anymore. I mean, obviously, um, can you, if, if Lillard wants to leave, which I don't think he wants to, but could you build a package around Simmons for Lillard? Sure. But you're going to have to be adding more than you would now than you would have had to for Harden, you know, just a year ago today or whatever, how many days ago. So it's unfortunate I almost want the Hawks to win this series because I want to see what happens to the Clippers uh, to the 76ers. Does Rivers return? Does Simmons get dealt? You know, does M- is Embiid happy with the Sixers organization? Does he want not necessarily out, but does what does he want to happen? What happens to this team? I, I have no clue what happens to this team if they lose a series. Because to me, I don't think you can justify running it back again. You've run it back too many times. You kept Brett Brown as your head coach way too many years than you should have. That's on the Sixers organization, 100%. You're wasting too many years, to my, in my opinion. If you lose to the Hawks in six or even seven, if you choose to run it back with the same core, which is Embiid, Simmons, and if you want to throw Tobias Harris in that equation, you can. It's too many. I, I, you, gotta, you, gotta, you don't even have to blow it up, but you have to make significant changes again. Whether it's I, – and the head coach I don't think is enough. Firing Rivers would not be enough to me. It really wouldn't. Yeah, and there's some way out of moves, honestly. I think Simmons is their last move, and the way he's been playing I think would deter some teams from wanting to get him. And, again, you'd have to be getting a Lillard in return for this team to be still a championship-level team. So they are somewhat out of moves, honestly. And, again, I don't think firing a coach is good enough because I think we saw – and, again, they still may win the series. Again, there's still game six and game seven. And I think they are the more talented team. Um, but it's it's just going to be a lot of questions if they do lose game six or even if they lose game seven. Uh, even if they that, lose in the conference finals, there's still going to be a lot of questions. Um, I Unless think the, it's to a fully healthy Nets. What would you say? Unless it's to a fully healthy Nets, there's still going to be questions for me. But I think even – and again, we don't know about Kyrie Irving and if he can come back or what, but if they were to make the conference finals and lose, it definitely would look worse because it's not a fully healthy Nets team. But I think the Nets are still probably the better team, honestly. Um, so I think there would still be questions, but I think there would be less questions um, than you losing to the Hawks in the second round of the playoffs when you're up you – know, you're up 2-1 in the series um, – and you have a terrible game four and you have a terrible game five on your home court. I think there's way more questions there. I think you would agree with that also, but um, a loss in the Eastern conference finals to an unhealthy next team, I think would look bad, but just not this bad. I would say. No, I hundred percent agree. I just, even losing to the bucks who, if the bucks make it somehow on um, which I think they still can, even if losing to the bucks, I still think there's questions because you are the one seed you're supposed to go to the finals, right? And obviously that's not how it plays out the majority of the time um, just because that's how the odds are. But still, still, this team should be doing way better than they are right now. And I know 
if you watch the podcast last episode or if you watch the clip about um, Damian Lillard, um, I know you said, you know, you don't trade Joel Embiid. But if if Simmons isn't getting you much, and I, and I think you have to look to trade Simmons first, probably. But and that's if they lose a series. But could you still look to trading Joel Embiid? I think you can. I really think you can, depending on the package. And I'm not going to trade him just to trade him. But if I can get a good package for a guy who, yeah, he's dominant, but he's a guy that, I mean, it, you know, it's not surprising me if he gets injured next year and misses time and it's just too much of a gamble and you've already wasted so many years. And if I can blow it up and, and get, I, I don't know what a package would be, but if I can get a package that, sets me up for the future i have to consider it because i genuinely don't think you can win a championship as right as of right now with simmons playing how he is with with this core uh, there's no way well you wouldn't if you were going to trade and beat it would not be after this season if you were going to do it it'd be after next season because you at least give it another chance whether it's with simmons or not with simmons if you do trade him or whatever because Embiid is Embiid's the best center in basketball i know Jokic won mvp but Embiid is the best center in basketball it's really not a question at least in my mind um so you don't just trade him because look if you haven't beat on your team they still have a good team around them um that they are a championship level type team um so you wouldn't do that yet but if they were to lose you know to the hawks in game six or game seven they were to lose next year you know if they face the bucks or they face the nets maybe if a celtics get rejuvenated or a heat gets rejuvenated again they lose in the second round or conference finals again I could definitely see them trading and beat at that point because, again, he is injury prone. He would be older. I think he'd be, I want to say he's like 27 right now, 26. So, you know, he'd be getting towards that early 30, getting towards the early 30s. But again, for him, that kind of is like his early 30s because he's just been so injured and his body's definitely worn down so much. Um, so I could see it at the end of next season if they were to lose, but not the end of this season. I think that'd be unless they really want to blow things up. But again, you do have a championship level type team. So I don't think you'd want to do that just yet, but um, I guess it's still a possibility. I just think it'd be the wrong move and the complete wrong decision. But um, that was it for those game fives, but another game five that happened the night before, again, another great game um, bucks nets. And we'll talk quickly on this and then we'll get into their game six, kind of just make predictions on it, honestly. Um, but Kevin Durant, that's honestly the storyline of that game. It's the only storyline of that game. He played all 48 minutes, scored 49 points, um, you know, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, had a triple-double. Um, didn't even really realize he didn't come out. Uh, you know, I watched that game. I didn't even really realize he didn't come out, honestly, until, like, the end where it's like, you know, they kind of mentioned it. And it's like, well, he really hasn't come out of this game yet. And, you know, you just think about that. A guy coming off a of torn Achilles who's, you know, in his 30s, had a lot of wear and tear on that body. Um, you just don't, you know, you already have Harden injured. I know he played, but he was, he was terrible in game five. Um, and he really shouldn't be playing, uh, Kyrie's injured. So you can't risk KD getting injured. So for him to play all 48 minutes, the performance that he had, the three that he had at the end of the shot clock, um, a terrible possession, uh, by the Nets on that Harden just held the ball for 23 seconds and then just gave it to KD and he chucked up a three, um, the shots he was making, uh, the defense that they were having on the other end. Um, just a really good game by the Nets. I know they were down big early, but they kept fighting and fighting. Joe Harris was terrible again. Uh, he needs to step it up in the series. And really, honestly, for the, the East Finals is what I'm really talking about. Um, but just Kevin Durant, just an amazing performance. What were your, I mean, what were your thoughts on just a, honestly an all-time performance? I know it was the second round, but that was an all-time performance. This, if the Nets win the series and probably if – I don't know if they have to win the finals or not, but if the Nets win this series, that's probably the best performance by KD he's ever had. Um, that actually meant something that actually means something. Um, it's the LeBron game six against the Celtics. It's the LeBron game seven against the Warriors in the 2016 NBA finals. It's, it's one of those types of types of games. I mean, back against the wall. Are you going to do it? Or are you going to not do it? are you the best player in the world? And, you know, LeBron, those are games where he flourishes and he proved that he's the best player in the world. And I think that's pretty much what KD did. Uh, if you had any questions about it, at least right now at this moment, who's the best player in the world right now? It's KD. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, but LeBron's not winning that game 
if he was on the Nets right now. And he's not winning that game, that game five. He's not. He's just not. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's an unbelievable, unbelievable performance. I guess it kind of sucks he missed that free throw at the end. He didn't get 50, but yeah, I mean, 49 is, you know, still plenty good, obviously. The Nets still need to win game six or game seven. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to start getting into the is Durant better than X player all time. I, I still the Nets still need to win the finals for me to to really be in love with KD. But I think right now he's the best player in the world. Um, I'd like to see them win the finals. I think that even with an injured Kyrie and injured Harden, if you can just get one of them back at we'll call it 75 percent this team should still win the finals in my opinion, especially with the injuries around the league we've seen um, with, you know, I mean, every team pretty much. So yeah, I mean, unbelievable performance. We'll see how the bucks respond. I don't know. I mean, is Giannis, I mean, really game five, Giannis didn't even look like a top 20 player compared to what KD did that night. Not that he's not a top 20 player. I'm just saying he, he couldn't hold a candle to that. I mean, that was it was insane. Well, I think this comes back to the point that I made. Um, I think it was game two or maybe game one of the series um, where Giannis, he just he just he can't have the ball at the end of the game. And we saw, you know, in this game, he had Harden on a post up towards the end of the game where they were struggling to get points and the Nets were coming back. I don't exactly know what the score was, but he had Harden on a post up one on one. Um, they were Harden waved off the double team, so you know he was going to go one on one, and you turn and you take a turnaround jump shot that he obviously bricked. He obviously wasn't going to make that. He could have just taken him to the hole. Harden can't move defensively; he's literally playing on like a torn hamstring. So I don't know why you aren't just driving and having him foul you, or you just get an easy layup or a dunk. Obviously, you're Giannis, so just bad decision making from down the stretch. He obviously had the turnover where you're still in the game. I mean, Middleton makes a great play to get KD off him. He dumps it off to Giannis for a wide-open dunk. I don't know if he was scared of being fouled, kind of like Ben Simmons, where he just was trying to go so quick. So, the, you know, if he did get fouled, he's at least making the dunk. Uh, and He's not just getting completely hacked, or he just dropped the ball. I don't know. But that was terrible turnover. Um, and you just see time and time and again, he just can't have the ball at the end of the game. He, he, can, he can ball handle, and he can pass, but he can't shoot. You know, if they found him, he's at the most making one out of two from the free throw line. So just serious questions with them. Uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, Budenholzer, uh, he's definitely on the hot seat, I'd say. If he, they, you know, they lose this game. I know they were down 2-0. It's the Nets, but no Harden, no, no Kyrie. You tie it 2-2. You're up by – I think they're up 20 points or 18 points in this game. Just really bad loss, terrible loss. And I do think they – if they don't lose game six, I think they lose game seven. I think they're – I think they lose this series. I don't think you can lose a game like that and then win the series, honestly. So, um, and Harden's obviously going to play better than he played. I mean, he scored, uh, you know, five points, five points, one of 10 from the field, elevated from three. He's not going to be that bad. He'll be, he'll probably be pretty bad, but he won't be that bad. Um, so, yeah, I think this series is over, which kind of leads us into game six, where I know he just said game six or game seven. I'm going to say they win tonight, game six. The game's literally about to start happening. Um, I think it happens in like 30 minutes, but. I'm going to say Nets win uh, in Milwaukee. I think Katie has another big game. I think Harden's decent. Joe Harris is better. I think he has a really good night from three. Um, and I think the Nets win. I will say, I think Budenholzer is fired if they lose a series. And I would fire Budenholzer if I lose a series as the Bucks. Maybe he's not fired, but if I was the Bucks owner slash GM, I'm firing Budenholzer on the spot. I just, this is your best chance to get to the conference finals than you will have in the next however many years because uh, the Brooklyn Nets aren't going to have two of their three best players injured again, or you can't predict that at least. This is their best chance. If Budenholzer doesn't get it done now, he's not getting it done in the future. I'd fire him. So, yeah, but, yeah. So who do you have? Do you have the Nets winning this game? I have the Bucks winning this game. I think I have the Bucks winning this game. They're at home. I still think they're a relatively resilient team. I think Giannis has, is a resilient guy, and he's the leader of that team. I think they win. I want to predict the Bucks to win game seven, but I'll hold off on a game seven prediction just because we still have to see game six. But I'll, I'll take the Bucks in game six. All right. So Drew has Bucks. I have Nets. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Unless you I thought you said else. the Bucks would win game six. 
No, I said not to win games. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's it for this episode. Um, like I said, that game's about to start, so um, we'll see who's right after you know as soon as this episode kind of goes up. But um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of news in the NBA: uh, coaches, players, injuries, COVID, all-time performances, just everything. Um, you know, all-season questions. Um, so yeah, that's probably going to wrap it up for this episode, though. Yeah, uh, appreciate everybody stay to the end. Feel free to check out everything in the description. We've been uploading to the Clips channel more often. Uh, feel free to check it out. There's content that you know is featured on this podcast. There's also content that we create specifically specifically for that. So feel free to check it out. Reactions, etc. Um, social medias and all that in the description. We'll be back in the next few days.